Hi, folks, and welcome to today's podcast. So I want you to imagine, especially if you're a theater person, a lot of times we would share stories or thoughts about theater. We'd be sitting around the apron of the theater, the front, I mean, the farthest down stage, a couple of people in the front row seats, maybe somebody sitting on the floor, or we might be in the uh, green room. You know, most green rooms have a lot of couches sitting around and all of us would kind of share, you know, I don't know, we just get into discussions about working in theater and how that worked. So this uh, podcast is going to cover when I was doing installations and both when I ran crews and when I was the installer and how you can't ever expect anybody to be as good as you are, especially if you've done it for a long time. So believe it or not, in this podcast, I'm going to talk about installing curtains. And that might sound exciting to some people, to other people it might not. But mechanically speaking, when you start thinking about what goes into installing curtains, it's not just hanging them and walking away. So I had a job where we had a bunch, and and also in the theater industry, we call them drapery or rags, or we have so many different names for things in theater. On this particular job I was on, uh, you know, basically we have a curtain track and in that curtain track goes a carrier and the carrier has a thing that we called, or I called a backpack. And the backpack is so when you open the curtain, the entire curtain moves at once. But when you're closing, the lead or the master carrier is pulling the curtain closed. So if you've ever sat in a theater in the audience and you watch a curtain open, normally both panels will start to move where the entire panel is moving and it stacks off stage. Rarely will the first master carrier start piling up into the other carriers pushing pushing them off stage. I hope I'm making that so you can visualize it. So you have a carrier, you have a backpack, and then there's two rubber uh, things that are called spacers or silencers. And they're put on the uh, carrier so that you don't hear that backpack uh, bang into the carrier that the curtain hangs on. So a carrier will also have a chain off the bottom of it, and that's what you attach the curtain to. So for the carrier to move across the track, there's a rope. And that rope's going to go from one end to the other end, and it's going to pick up what's called master carriers. So imagine the rope goes up from where you're standing up through a double-end pulley. It will go through a bunch of carriers. Then it will go to the other side of stage, on a single end pulley, the rope will turn around, come back through all the carriers on that, let's say, stage left panel, and then come back over to your double end pulley and come down to the floor. So when you pull on the, let's say, downstage, if the stage right panel is the downstage track, when you pull down on the downstage rope, the curtain's opening, okay? When you'd pull on the upstage side of the rope, you would be uh, closing the curtain. So if you don't put the backpacks on right, the curtain won't work. If you don't put the spacers or silencers on there, you're going to hear the curtain uh, slapping as the carriers uh, push up against each other. So I could normally, with one helper, in one day easily hang three tracks, which is your grand drapery, your uh, mid-stage traveler or intermission curtain, as it's called in some high schools, and then you have an upstage traveler. 
and you know, and saw all the legs and borders and all of that, which are just dead hung on a pipe. But the three curtain tracks, you really had to pay attention if you had never done it before. So the reason in this podcast, everybody, I'm telling you not to expect other people to be as good as you, is I had spent about 10 or 12 years installing rigging, all kinds of rigging uh, and lighting systems. But the rigging systems took the most time because, you know, you had to install the T-bar wall or J-bar wall, the locking rail, the head blocks, loft blocks, all that junk. But when you're basically done uh, and, the, and the room's clean, you want a clean room when you're putting up drapery. You don't want sawdust everywhere because that velour, you know, folks back in the day, you were spending twenty five to $30,000 on drapery. And nowadays, uh, it's fifty dollars or $60,000, $70,000 for drapery. It's just crazy how much things have gone up in 30 years or 40 years, 35 years. But when you look at um, installing the curtain, you, you tend to just learn. It's almost like a subliminal or an unconscious thing when you're putting you know, the carriers on and the rope. You're trying to get in and out of the project uh, and, and accomplish two things. You want the project to be done perfect, perfect. You want it to be flawless. But you also want to get in and out of there in a reasonable time. And... You know, I got it down to a science when I used to do installations, and I always carried my big dust mop with me. So once it was done, because, you know, when you open cardboard boxes and stuff, you're still getting a little bit of dirt around. I would always lay out um, basically painter's cloth that I was going to, uh, you know, uh, work with my curtains around. So I want you to visualize a pallet and on the pallet is a big box and the box is approximately let's see it'd probably be at like 38 inches by 38 inches and in it is a bunch of clear plastic and then inside that is a velour drapery so what i would do is i would lay out my painter's cloth and then take the uh, tool wheel cart um, or the manual forklift and i would roll my drapery box under the stage right end of my curtain track and the other box, which would be the stage left panel under the stage left end of the curtain uh, track. So I'd always pull the curtain into the air with the curtain in the open position. That way I wasn't pulling the drapery out across even the painter's cloth, even though mine were spotless and I did sweep them once in a while with a uh, Eureka sweeper. Um, I didn't want that fabric to ever touch anything except the air. I really, I never wanted to touch anything but the clear plastic in the box. So I would go into the theater and I would assemble the track and the track hangers and all that, get all the carriers on it. And then I would push all the carriers off stage left and right. So they are over the box that is, they're going to pull the drapery out of. So I'm going to fly the batten into the air. Now, if the curtain track is dead hung in the air, then you got to either use a block and tackle, um, something like that, to uh, or a man lift or a person lift, as we say today, to get that uh, uh, the top of the drapery up to where you're going to hang them on S hooks, and those S hooks are then going to grab the little uh, trim chain that's on the carrier. So I'd gotten this down to a science, and I'd hired a helper and took him out with me, and I actually made a one foot piece of track, folks or is 18 inches long that had a double end pulley, a single end pulley, 
had exactly the way the carriers were done. I mean, it was basically, uh, you know, curtain track 101 for dummies. I mean, all you had to do is look at it and it showed you how you're going to do it. So I had hired a person. Uh, this is back in the days of STTV and AV and uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I was doing a retrofit of a curtain job. But the curtain tracks were old, obsolete curtain tracks. So I said, okay, we're going to go with uh, an H&H. I think it was a 400 series track, if I remember right. I might be wrong, but I'm almost positive I'm right. And I had six-inch double-end pulleys, so it made it a lot easier to move the curtain than the four-inch double-end pulleys and single-end pulleys and all that stuff. So he was real confident and said, no, no, Damon, let me do this one. I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll take, you know, one of the other helpers. I said, okay. So normally I would do this entire hang in a eight or a nine hour day. And look, folks, sometimes these are long days. If it took an hour and a half to drive to the high school and you spent the whole day hanging curtain track and you spent 30 minutes going to Burger King to grab a burger or your helper would go get it and bring it back to the school and then you're done by five or six at night and then you get out of there, you know, that's a long day. But I did pay people very well and they loved to work for me. And not to mention, I'm a pretty freaking awesome guy to work for. <laughs> and I'm not saying that. That's what people told me. Um, unless you're one of those people that didn't like me. Uh, I either had people that love me or hate me. And um, if you didn't do your job and you, uh, you know, just were worthless, uh, chances are we weren't going to get along very good. And I don't mean worthless as a person. I'm talking about worthless as getting things done, folks. You know. So this, this, this guy I'm working with went out and called me at noon and said, man, this is not going good at all. And I'm like, okay, what do you need? He goes, and, and you could hear it in his voice. He was very, very flustered. I'm like, what's going on? He goes, oh, I'm, I'm just having a terrible time. I said, okay. So I said, do I need to drive out there? And he said, yeah, I think you do. I said, I'll see you in an hour and a half. So I jumped in my STTV uh, van. It was one of those little Chevy. Can you remember what kind of van it was? So I drive out there, get to school, I walk in, and the first thing I notice is there's carriers everywhere. <laughs> now, the, the carriers come in a box or a bucket, depending on the brand you're buying, and I always used H&H uh, &H Specialties, which has been purchased since then by Texas Scenic Company. So I, there are carriers everywhere. I'm like, you know, first thing I thought is, first of all, he's not being very tidy. Okay, I was meticulous in being tidy. And then I saw this bag of backpacks and, you know, they weren't on the carriers. And I'm like, oh, no, this, this isn't going good. Now, folks, when I would show up to a job site, I already had my backpacks put on the carriers. I did that back in the shop. And, you know, I blame myself for not asking him, hey, is, you know, the backpacks already, you know, I, I guess I, I blame myself a lot of times, folks. And maybe I shouldn't, but I, I blame myself for him not having those backpacks on the carriers. So I immediately got channel locks out and said, look, let me start putting backpacks on. You know, what are your other problems? And he said, well, this first curtain, I just can't get to work right. And I looked at it and he had all the backpacks on the wrong side of the carrier. So I blame myself again here, folks, because I want people to mechanically understand how things work. You know, I want them to understand the physics and, and why things do things. I don't want them just to look at a diagram or a picture. I want them to be able to intellectually understand what's going on so i grabbed the little 18 inch piece and i held it up to the track and i said what do you see different here he goes i really don't see anything 
And folks, I'm severely dyslexic, so I don't blame people when they look at something and they don't see it exactly the way it is. I'm the poster child for screwing things up, man. So um, I said, the backpacks are on the wrong side. It won't work this way. And he looked at it for a minute. He goes, oh my gosh. He goes, I just feel so stupid. I go, dude, don't. I said, you know, don't, don't blame yourself for this. Let's just get through this. So um, we pulled the rope out. And this is something, folks, I want to warn you. If you ever, which most of you probably never will, if you ever do a curtain, you just don't undo the rope at the master carrier and start yanking it out because every one of those silencers or those spacers that are on each side of a backpack. So if you've got 30 carriers, you've got 60 of these little bitty rubber spacers and they're going to just start falling out on the floor and they bounce and they roll and it's going to be, they're going to be everywhere, folks. So, you know, he, I'm putting backpacks on carriers and he undoes the master carriers, which pulling the rope out. And I just hear all those little rubber spacers hitting the ground. And I didn't even yell, stop. I just let him do it. And then he came out and he was like, oh my gosh, all those just fell on the ground. I'm like, yeah, you should have pushed all the carriers to the very end and then just pulled them out and let them, you know, kind of, you know, fall right underneath where you're working. So that really got him flustered. And I said, and I don't want to say his name. He's a super cool guy. And he wouldn't mind me sharing the story because he ended up being one of the best people I've ever worked with in my life. And so, you know, I'm getting all the backpacks on the carriers. He's flustered. Uh, teacher comes out and says, oh my gosh, I'm so happy we're getting this done. And he starts talking to the teacher and I'm like, oh no, dude, don't get sucked into talking to the teacher. You're going to spend an hour talking to that teacher. And I'm just, you know, doing it. And uh, it was funny because the teacher's like, so who's your helper? <laughs> and I didn't care that he thought I was the helper. And he's like, oh, no, 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 that's my boss. And he, he came out to make sure that this is going right. And, you know, then the teacher walked up to me and the teacher recognized me. Um, and like, I know you. And I'm like, yeah, I've worked on your lighting system before. And we just kind of, you know, laughed. But folks, one thing I do when I'm doing something like this, if a teacher's going to talk to me, they're going to follow me around as I work. Okay, I'm not going to take a half hour off while, you know, we're just chatting about, you know, uh, oh gosh, I don't know what we would have chatted about back then. I can't even remember any of the TV shows back then, maybe the A-team. So we we start to get organized because I'm getting backpacks on, on the rest of the carriers. He, basically what he was doing is he's doing like one track section at a time. And I have learned that that is a very uh, terrible way to do it. You know, you want to kind of sequence how you're going to do this. So I got all the backpacks on, took me about an hour, hour and 10 minutes. I got all the spacers um, out of their uh, boxes and the bags opened. And I started working on the mid-stage travel or the inter inter intermission curtain. And I said, look, as I put this back together, as I put this together, I want you to put together the front curtain or the main act curtain exactly like I do. He said, okay. And I started doing it and he started putting the backpacks on the wrong side. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. The backpacks are always off stage of the carrier. So remember that off stage of the carrier. Okay. Never on stage. He's like, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. And I said, no, don't say you're sorry, dude. I said, you know, you're learning. But in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I've showed him like three times. But that's something I've learned over, over, over time, folks, is everybody learns at different speeds. And when you are nervous, 
it's really hard to learn. It's like when I watch Wheel of Fortune and I'm screaming at the lady, the words astronaut. <laughs> now she's standing there in front of the studio with the lights on and an audience and she's probably trembling. How the hell would she even function? So I get the more nervous we become, um, we get into a tunnel vision. It's the same thing with being an aviator, with me flying airplanes. If I'm around weather or anything's not going perfect, I don't hear people talking to me. I mean, on the radio I do, but are people on the airplane talking to me? They just instantly zone out. Um, and I've heard from people that's almost crash planes that you quit hearing uh, ATC in your radio. So I understand nervousness because I went through it myself. So we walk through and I get my mid-stage curtain done and he's got his uh, main act curtain done. And I'm like, okay, now we're going to both finish the upstage traveler. And he said, okay. So he took stage left. I took stage right. And again, he started putting the backpacks on the wrong side. So I told him, I said, look, man, why don't you just go around? Oh, you're so flustered right now. You can't even work. And I mean, and I told him, dude, I, you're nowhere near getting fired. I said, you're one of my best people. I said, I don't know what's going on with you. And he's just like, oh, you know, this is just going terrible. And look, folks, he, he was me 10 years earlier. I remember driving home in a van one time wanting to cry because I had taken so long and I knew my boss was going to think, you know, what the hell did Damon do on this job? I did a lighting gig one time where I don't know if you've ever used the big, um, oh, what's the name of the really, really big um, high voltage? Well, not high voltage. It's what we use to power our dimming racks with. What is the name of that stuff? Not a, is it a psychopack? No, it's not a psychopack. It's the bigger stuff. Um, basically, you have your three phases, and then you have your ground uh, as a the male and female are reversed on end, so you don't accidentally plug the ground into one of your phases. And I had lined up a lot of the all four ends the same, and it took me four hours to flip that ground around the way I had uh, rigged. I mean, uh, uh, hung it through the building. And the job took four hours longer than it should have. And I was just terrified my boss was going to scream at me. And the next day when I told him what I did, he laughed and said, you know, Damon, I've done that four or five times in my life. And if you do it, you just have to survive it and get on with it. And I'm like, so did you think I was going to do that? He goes, no. He goes, you're, 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 you're so anal at things and so particular. I, I can't imagine you do that, but I don't care. You know, you got the job done. And I'm like, yeah, but you paid me for four hours extra. And he said, look, there's going to be times we all screw up. So we basically I had him start opening up all the drapery, all the legs, all the borders and just relax and calm down. And I said, look, start hanging a border curtain. And, you know, he knew the knot I had taught him. He did it great. Uh, he tied up the borders. Uh, if you don't know what border curtain is, it's the one that goes all the way across the batten from stage left to right. And it masks normally the electrics and scenery. The legs are the ones that are on stage left or right. And if you imagine big bell-bottom jeans uh, hanging from a pipe, that's what a leg is. It's one reason we call them legs. So he was hanging the drapery, and I've got the upstage curtain rigged right. I'm sorry, the track, track rigged right. And uh, then we went downstage right to hang the first right-hand side panel of the main act curtain. And I told him, you know, we're going to have to add weight to the arbor up there as we're doing this, but it's going to be weird because there's not a mid-level loading bridge. So 
what I'm going to do is have you uh, basically underload, or well, no, we, we would load the arbor until I would start pulling the curtain out of the box. Then once he couldn't reach the arbor, I'd have him come down on stage and we would pull the uh, curtain into the air and then add a few more stage weights on the floor. So I had him carry down about 150 pounds because I knew what each panel weighed. So he carried all the way down to the stage floor. It's always good to have a helper, folks. Um, and he had another helper, but the other helper really wasn't doing much of anything. I mean, I don't want to put that person down, but that person had to be told everything to do. I still think my good buddy had kind of a little bit of challenge because he's trying to do everything and not he didn't know how to tell his helper what to do. So, you know, him and the helper got the weights down on stage and we got the front at curtain, the right-hand panel uh, set right. Then we brought it back down, hung the left-hand side set right. And this is where you need a ladder or a lift, or you're going to be moving that up and down a little bit. Because now you got to get the length of rope exactly right with where the floor pulley is for the curtain. So we were nowhere near close. We had like five feet of extra rope. And uh, now some people, folks... Uh, would have thought that day that I would have remembered before the curtains on the track, you take the curtain up and you can take it up and down before any curtains on there without any weight on it. And you can adjust the length of that rope. But even I was a little flustered working with him. So I had forgot to do that on the first curtain. So we get that all right. Go to the second uh, mid-stage traveler. We get that rope the right length before we put any curtain on the track. We go to the third one, get that one right before we put any curtain on the track. And then we get the mid-stage uh, rags and the upstage rags hung. And this is where I go through and make sure everything works perfect. And folks, this is something where fun goes to die. If you open a curtain, you should never hear a click noise because that's two carriers touching each other. Okay. Those little spacers or silencers are rubber for a reason. They're so you don't hear any clanging. And on the upstage curtain, every time I opened it, I heard two carriers touch, which means we were missing a backpack. And the only way to get a backpack on is to undo the rope at the master carrier. And basically, you have to unrig uh, the rope back to that carrier, put a backpack on, then pull the rope back through, which means you got to catch all the spacers or the silencers that could fall out. So me being up there and being a little bit frustrated, evidently when I was putting all the backpacks on the carriers and I had, you know, a pile on my right and a pile on my left, the, on the left was what I'd completed. Somehow I had gotten a carrier on the left-hand side of me that didn't have a backpack on it. And that even shows that somebody who had done it for 10 years can make a mistake. So we had to fly that in, get that fixed. We still got out of there about only two hours late, not that bad. So we told his helper to drive his van and he would ride back with me because I wanted to kind of just give him a little pep talk and say, hey, look, when you said you wanted to do this by yourself, I, I loved it. I, I loved it. But I also wondered if you'd be able to, you know, do it without getting nervous because you're kind of a nervous person. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, how do you feel about the next time? And this is what I love about people. He goes, oh, the next time this won't happen. He goes, I can't wait for the next time. 
I was so afraid he was going to go, oh, no, no, man, I, I don't want to go through this again. You're going to have to go with me. But even when I would let him go out and do it, folks, he literally took two hours, three hours longer than I ever took to put curtains in. Even when I sent a good helper with him. So, and everybody who's ever met me in life knows how high strung I am. And I am absolutely like full-blown, probably ADHD. I just never have it diagnosed. Um, and my energy level is off the charts. Uh, you know, we just did... Um, Last week, uh, a company I work for has a booth at the USITT trade show, and, and I helped do the setup. And folks, I'm 60 years old, but I feel like I'm 40 or even 30. I mean, I loved helping to set up the show. Uh, it keeps me young. Um, I think my ADHD helps me go full speed ahead. But don't expect everybody in the world to have the same enthusiasm or the same... Uh, drive that you do sometimes we are we just love to get a lot of stuff done as fast as we can because we know time is money you know when i was the manager um sales manager my boss had a goal i had to hit at the end of the year of margin he had a certain dollar amount i had to hit at the end of the year and um i was hell-bent to do that and would i gotten fired if i missed him probably not but um, I don't like to lose. And there's something about our, our mental state when we're trying to train people, when we're trying to coach people, when we're trying to energize people, when we're trying to get people to see the best versions of themselves. And at the end of the day, folks, there's two or three things that are really important. One is you got to be happy in what you're doing. You know, those that know me know the moment I get bored with a job or a company I'm working for, I quit and go find a new job. Uh, the moment I don't like the people I work around, I move on. And you, the most important thing, and I coach my daughter all the time, this is you got to love what you're doing. You got to be happy. And just about all the people, well, I shouldn't say just about, I would say most of the people I worked with when I would train them or manage them, I would make sure they're happy. Because if you're happy, go find an. If you're not happy, go find another job. You know, I uh, I love the TV show Ted Lasso now. You know that positivity. Now I've never been that positive. But folks, uh, don't expect other people to be able to do things as quick as you can if you've done it for ten or twenty or thirty years. Don't expect people to see what you see. You know, you got to work with them. You've got to make them feel like they. Um, like they're special. And I mean, everybody is. I mean, when you look at how anybody who wants to work in the theater, and most of you know by now, if you've been listening to my podcast, I'm doing these to try to spark interest in younger kids uh, that want to get involved in theater. And I've talked about the aspect of, you know, uh, running a theater or being the techie on the theater, being the installer, being the salesperson. I've worn so many delightful hats in this industry and I love it. Uh, I loved installing rigging. I loved installing lighting. I loved being a grip for film and television. I absolutely loved working in the theater. I miss that so much. Um, I just love the industry. So, but if you're a manager or a coach or a leader, 
Make sure the people you're working with understand how much they're loved and how important they are. Make sure that you don't expect them to be you. Expect them to become the best version of what they're going to become. Some of the greatest audio people I've ever worked with, engineers, are some of the quietest, most laid back, most introverted people I've ever met in my life. Um, it's just weird that I think they don't even like me, but then we, you know, have a few drinks and everybody starts to loosen up. So folks, I'm going to wind this down because my hundred pound Bernese mountain dog has just come up to me and told me that I need to shut this podcast down and let him go outside. Um, and you might hear him breathing in the background, but, uh, yeah, folks. Hey, thanks for listening to my podcast. I hope you're uh, letting your friends know about these. And I just want everybody to understand how cool the theater industry is and just how rewarding it is. And one thing about theater people is you'll meet people still working in this industry. They're 70, but in their minds, they think they're 50 because, you know, I'm 60 and I feel like I'm 30 or 40. I think theater people live a very long time because they love what they do because they sure wouldn't be in this industry if they didn't love it. Okay. It's, it's, it's a lot of work. But man, the rewards are just fascinating. So that's it, everybody. I hope you enjoy my podcast. I always like to say rock on, have an awesome day, be nice to each other, and I'll talk to you very soon. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.